Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Good morning, Life West. How y'all doing this morning? Oh, no, some of y'all sip some coffee real quick. I'll give you three seconds. How y'all doing this morning? That's a lot better. I'm excited to come back up here. Hey, by the way, before even I get started with anything, Pastor Samuel was talking about Edgar coming next week, Edgar Gomez. That was the pastor that I was talking about last week that I was, when I first came to Christ, he launched me to Bible school. He said, you got pastor qualifications in your heart. He believed in my wife and I. He married my wife and I. He mentored us. So I'm excited for you guys to receive what I've been receiving in the last 18 years. So just get excited. Bring a friend. Everyone say, bring a friend. Look at your neighbor. Say, bring a friend. Now look at the neighbor you didn't want to look at. Say, bring a friend. (laughs) I'm really excited about next week. It's going to be a good day. Hey, hopefully last week you were blessed by the message of heart check. Everyone say, heart check. check. It's a a message that God put in my heart to really be teaching to you guys, but also for myself. Um, you know, the proverb says, uh, those, those that refresh others, they themselves will be refreshed. And I believe in the process, I'm being refreshed as well. And I challenged you last week. Can anybody shout out what, what uh, chapter, what, what book of the Bible that I asked you guys to read during the week? Louder. Matthew 13. And you know what? I even dove into it and got more out of it. And the main purpose of Matthew 13 was just to get into the parable of the farmer who sowed seed and how we have all these types of soil that seed went in the ground. Ultimately, we're, God's aiming for fertile soil, soft soil, and that that soil represents our heart because God wants to do something in our heart. And a quick recap last week is what I said was we are responsible for the condition of our own heart. We are responsible, not your spouse, not your kids, not your pastor. You are responsible for your own heart. And God wants you to do that solely out of the word of God. And we talked about, well, then how do we set our heart up for that soil so we can receive God's word and grow and produce fruit? Well, we talked about being in God's word, number one. And we said, watching the chosen is not the same as reading your word, right? Just saying, right? Number two, we said is we got to set our heart postured for his worship. You know, and, and I did talk about worship and having that setting, but it's not just a Sunday morning. Really, worship is just expressing the love that you have to the Lord outwardly. What's inward, you're just expressing outwardly, shamelessly. You're just doing it. And then the third one was get your heart ready to inspire others. And that's what I want to continue on. I want to spin off of that one. Now, if you missed last week's message, that's okay. Just go to lifewest.church, search the, the podcast. You can see all last week's message and past messages because I'm really excited what God's going to bring today, and I don't want you to miss the first part. Let's close our eyes. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, just, we thank you so much for this morning. Today's a day you made for us to rejoice and to be glad in it, Father. I just lift you up right now, Father. I thank you that your words that are going to come out of my mouth is solely from your throne, from your heart, Father. May you continue to work through us. May your hands continue to cultivate the depths of our heart, Father. Help us take the junk out that does not need to be there. Continue to put your word into it. May it take deep roots, Father, that we never sway or forget it, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all say, amen. Amen. All right. Everyone say, good leader, great follower. follower. Good leader, 
great follower. There is an impact that you have to make in your world. We all have our own worlds. And it's funny because a lot of times when we get to know people that know people that know people, when you did life with them and they didn't know, we always say, man, that's a small world, isn't it? You know, and so you have your own personal world. You have your own area that God has planted you in to make an impact. Not to be just accustomed to what's going on and to follow the waves or to swim how everyone swims. God has called you to walk in those waters, to stand out, to stick out, to be a light. We look in Scripture when Jesus teaches, and he talks about we're the salt of the world, we're the light of the world, and he says to shine that light. That a light, a lamp is not created to be hidden under a bowl, but to be on a stand to, to bring light to others. I mean, we think about it maybe as kids or maybe as an adult. We look in a room, and it can be pitch black dark, but you turn on one light, and it illuminates. And typically, people would follow that. I remember being in middle school, and our, our middle school, we ended up going on a camping trip for three days. Uh, I, I believe it was sixth grade, and it was just a way for us to get sixth graders to know each other, new buildings. So they did this camping trip, and we played this game. I don't remember the game. I don't know why we played it in the first place, but we played it. And apparently we had to get groups of 10 with one counselor, and we had to go all around the campus, and we had to, some had to tag each other, others had to run from each other. I think it was like fox and rabbits or something like that, right? It was a fun game. Well, my group didn't really get to play because we were running, and when we were running, we didn't know where we were going. We just ran. Like three hours later came by, and we realized we are lost. We are lost. And it got dark. And I don't even know if they were even looking for us, but I remember, and I'm just being really honest with you, but I remember being in the woods with my teacher, and my teacher started panicking. And I'm like, okay, now I don't know what's going to happen now. And then prior to that, this was, this was more of a secular view. They told us scary stories prior to this. All these stories are coming to my head, and it's just pitch dark. But I remember seeing a light far away through the woods, just a small light. And my teacher saw it, and she said, we're going that way. We didn't know what it was, but we followed the light. It ended up being the campsite. And we saw everyone, they were eating dinner, or not dinner, they were actually at a fire having fun, eating s'mores, and that whole deal. They weren't looking for us. <laughs> they were not. And the reason why I share that story is because a little light is what led us to where we needed to go. And so God says that you are created to be the light of the world. There are people that are lost. They don't know where they're going. They're like in the thick of the woods, but you illuminate. You illuminate with God's word. And they're attracted and appealed to what you say and how you live. When you're supposed to be angry, you're not angry. When you're supposed to be sad, your joy is just unexplainable. That's what God wants us to illuminate. That's why I said to be a good leader, we need to be a great follower. And let me, let me dissect the definition really quick of a leader. Yeah, maybe you might say, well, I'm not a leader because I don't manage anything. Well, that's part of leadership. But true biblical leadership is influence. Yeah. Say influence. influence. It's influence. You are influencing somebody in your life, whether good or bad. And if we align it to what the Word of God says, if we align it to what God says, we become godly leaders. We become for this time. In Matthew 16, chapter 24, Jesus said to his followers, If any of you want to be my follower, you must stop thinking about yourself. Okay? And what you want, 
And you must be willing to carry the cross that is given to you for following me. Let's dissect that scripture a little bit. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, if you want to be this great follower, two things you need to do. Number one, you need to be selfless. And number two, you need to be sacrificial. You need to be selfless and stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about others. And you need to be sacrificial and start doing things that I am asking you to do. See, selflessness is not just putting yourself before others. That's, that's good. And that's, that's a great definition. But it doesn't stop there. You see, true selflessness is putting yourself behind others to support and encourage them even when you don't feel like it and you don't want to. Has anybody ever felt like, I don't want to follow this command with this person over here? Oh, yeah. I, mean, I mean, there are times where it's just like, why? Why do we want to do that? But Jesus says to put them before yourself because Christ did that to us. It was in 2014, I was a youth pastor at the time, and I remember my youth group, I, I, just, I had 30, about 30 kids. My wife and I, we served 30 kids faithfully, and I remember having a narrow mind at that time. I said, well, I'm called to just teenagers, and only teenagers from 13 to 17, and that's it. Later, <laughs> Pastor Sam is laughing because he knows. But later on, God revealed to me, you're called to people regardless. Just right now, what's in front of you is the teenagers. And I remember breaking that mindset, and one morning I went to the gas station in the Holland area. And I was in a little bit of a hurry. I, I think my daughter, I had to drop her off at school. Then I had to go to the other side. I had a meeting, and I dropped my daughter off at school. And I'm like, okay. I saw the gas tank going low, and it was on E. So I'm like, all right. So I go, and I fill up real quick. And even that was kind of delaying my plan. And I remember going inside. At the time, I paid cash. I just gave him the money. And as I was coming out, I saw a man probably my age, and he was probably about 6'3", six, 6'4", six, maybe 250 pounds, pretty, pretty beefy guy. This guy was built. I shouldn't use the word beefy, but <laughs> he was a solid guy. But I remember he had a big cut on his, on his forehead, and it just, I just looked, and he was frantically looking on the ground like this, just frantically looking. And I remember thinking, is this guy Okay. And as I started to walk away from him, I heard God in my heart say, approach him, introduce yourself. First thing I said was, no, I ain't got time. I got a meeting, God. I got to do your work over here. <laughs> I, got to, I got these people to reach. And God said, go introduce yourself. And I remember going to introduce myself, and his name was Ben. And I said, hey, Ben, how you doing? And he introduced me. I'm like, are you okay? Can I help you with anything? And the first thing he said is, my dollar, my dollar, where's my dollar? And I remember thinking, a dollar? And that's when I knew he probably didn't have a home. And that dollar meant so much to him. And I contemplated in my head. I battled something in my head. And the battle was this. If I give him some cash, he'll probably use it for something that's not good. So I'm not going to do it. And I remember feeling an ick. And I use that word, ick, because that's what it felt like in my heart when I thought that. And I remember what Jesus taught me put others before yourself and i did so i ended up saying well hey hey bud i got three dollars laying in my car here you go that brought eye contact with me i'm going to kind of give you a highlight of this whole hour i had with him 
That brought eye contact. Eye contact turned into conversation. Conversation turned into, let me invite you to breakfast. I took him to McDonald's for breakfast. Uh, ended up saying, I need a ride to a friend's house. I took him over there. Then I asked him about Jesus. Do you know him? He says, I know somewhat about him, but not really much. And I got to minister him for 15 minutes. After that 15 minutes, he gave his life to Jesus Christ in my car. And as he was exiting out of my car, he looked at me and said, hey, Jesse, I want to tell you something. Those couple of dollars that you gave me, I was going to go buy something to drink. I was going to buy alcohol. And then he had said, but because you talked to me, I'm choosing to walk away from that. I don't want nothing. To, I don't have a desire for that anymore. Thank you for being my friend for the moment. And I remember the impact in its heart. And the reason why I share that is because a lot of times our reasoning, our thought life, we think that we, okay, that's just not my area. But God's saying, no, I need you there. Countless, countless stories I hear people saying, Pastor Jesse, can you, re can you pray for me? I'm like, what do you need prayer on? I, I need to get out of this work I'm at right now, my job. It's just so evil and dark. And before I pray, I say, what if you're called to be that light in that position? And so my encouragement to those is when you put yourself, when you put others before yourself, ask God, what are those steps that I need to take in this area before we say, nope, this is not me, I'm going over here. Sacrificial, what does it mean to be sacrificial? Well, it's simple, it's the uphill battles. It's just not quitting in an uphill battle. We went camping as a church, okay? Uh, who went camping? Raise your hand. We were out at LifeWest Church. We went to... Uh, P.J. Hoffmasters, yeah, that was my first time there, it was beautiful, and we're walking, right, and we're getting to know people, and if you guys saw my site, we're feeding you guys, I mean, we made tacos, we made hot dogs, we made, what else did we make, a bunch of food, right, there's a whole bunch of food out there, and I remember people inviting us, hey, come with us for a walk, let's do this, I mean, there's so many people just being so kind to us, and Heath comes up to me and says, hey, I want you guys to go for a hike, it's beautiful out there, I want you to go that way. Sure, no problem. We go up there. We're excited. He did not tell me how to climb a dune. <laughs> not just any dune, but a steep dune. And I remember climbing that dune with my family. <laughs> and we're like, ah, ah. Like, I mean, we're on our fours. I'm not joking. I'm not over-exaggerating. It was a battle. And we're going up. And it was that moment where you start going fast, and then you stop, and then you start slipping back down to where you started. I mean, it was that type of climb. And I remember saying, I'm not going to give up. Now, I, my body felt like quitting, but I did not want to quit. We didn't quit as a family. We went with another family. We didn't quit as a family. We made it to the top. And it was so rewarding. It was so refreshing. Then I found out there was a small trail that just went straight to the beach. Right? I was like, what? You're kidding me. No, but, uh, you know, what I'm saying is this. In the uphill battles of life, in the uphill battles of following God and advancing his kingdom, there's going to be moments where God's saying, I, I can't have you give up. I can't, you, I can't have you quit on your marriage. Don't quit on your kids. Don't quit in your job. Don't quit serving your church. Don't quit serving your community. I, I need you, God says. As much as you need me, I need you to continue to be hands and feet of my son Jesus. Because if you quit, then there are no hands there that can 
operate my kingdom. You see, when we claim we're advancing God's kingdom, we have to have an understanding that we have to be selfless and sacrificial. I love our volunteers back here. And we call them volunteers, and, but the truth is this. They're servants. They're servants. Because even setup and teardown team, if you're in a setup and teardown team, raise your hand. Okay, we've got a couple of you guys. Man, kudos to you to be here super early in the morning to set up chairs and the children's ministry and stage and, and, and everything. Because I know you're sacrificing sleep. I know you are. That's the heart that God wants us to have in any area that we're in. Be selfless, be sacrificial, because there's a culture that God wants us to counter every day of our lives. But we have to be sold out. We have to be sold out for the Lord. When I was in Tulsa, I lived there for a few years at Bible school, and uh, I remember my wife and I went to a night of worship, and at the time, the man's name was uh, Daniel Eric Groves. I think that's still his name today. I don't know why I said it that way, but <laughs> at the time, he was leading worship touring, and he came to our school, and it was a night of worship, and I, I didn't know the man at the time. It was the first time I was seeing him, and he's leading worship, and I had a moment where he spoke. He made an impact, an imprint in my heart because he said this. He had said, imagine a train on a track. You have the engine, and then you have the, all the trains that are connected behind it. If that engine train continues on, on rails, everything will follow. But the moment it derails, everything follows after that. And he had said, you, and I felt like he was talking to me, but he was talking to a bunch of us. He said, you are that engine train. There is a path for you to take. And if you derail from what God has for you, Whose destinations are not going to make it that's behind you? That's okay. Is it your kids? Is it your friends? Is it your family? And I realized at that moment, being sacrificial and selfless is what God wants me to do. It's through my influence. It's through my leadership. It's through me loving people and being like Jesus. So let's make this practical, right? We look at Paul and Timothy. Paul, who spoke into Timothy's life when Timothy was leading the church and, and was facing opposition and, and criticism, really, about him being so young. Check what Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Paul says to him, he says, Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example. I'll say it again. But set the believers an example in your speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Think about that. That is some great advice by the Apostle Paul. How you live is what's going to speak to people's lives. Not just what you say. How you, how you present yourself as a godly man or woman. How you speak to others as a godly man or woman. How you live. How you exercise your faith. Because being a true follower of Jesus Christ is not comfortable at all times. There's discomfort at, all time, at a lot of times where we feel like we can't do it. Confession on my end, I'm going to be really, really vulnerable and open to you. My biggest fear in my life was speaking in front of people. I remember my very first message I ever had to speak in 2000. It was August of 2010, and I remember what room I was in, and it was two middle school students, and they were brother and sister. I was terrified. I remember fumbling through my notes, and then I'm like, I don't know if I'm even making sense. 
it was a legitimate fear that I was facing. But I had to allow God to cultivate and work in my heart. I had to be selfless. I had to think of them before myself. I had to say, I'm just going to go up there regardless. And I had to be that example. And growth came. God promises he brings that increase. See, what, what Paul is telling Timothy is a, make sure your attitude's lined up into what God has for you. See, because God, what God is designed is an attitude as a, of a leader. A leader in your home, a leader in your work, a leader in your church, leading your spouse, leading your kids. Not positionally. Not talking about position. I'm talking about your influence. But leading with influence. It's saying, I'm not going to let go of what God says. I'm not going to compromise what God's word tells us. I'm going to do exactly what he says. In the book of Daniel, you'll see there's three boys or three men. Three dudes, we'll say that. Three dudes. Ratchak, Meshach, and Abednego. My littlest guy would say a billy goat. I think VeggieTales taught him that. I don't know. But you have these three guys who had that type of attitude. No matter what culture brought them, no matter what king told them to do, they were facing death in the face. They were threatened. If you do not worship and accustom to the culture that I've created as a king, you will be thrown in the furnace. We might know the story, but let's listen to the attitude when I read it. Daniel chapter 3, 16, 17, and 18. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Now listen to the last verse. But even if he does not, we want you to know. I see the finger coming out now. We want you to know, your majesty, <laughs> that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up for us an attitude that they had no compromising didn't matter what they were facing if we know that if you know the rest of the story and if not then that's your assignment daniel chapter three everyone say daniel chapter three that's your assignment for the week if you don't know it or reread it they got thrown into the fire but a miracle happened and they walked out didn't even smell like smoke not burnt once and they saw, they did something that countered culture, and a miracle happened to the point where it touched the king's heart. Attitude has to line up with what God has for us. Our attitude needs to be there. Because what happens is when we allow our, or our influence or the attitude to tamper with what God is doing in our leadership, our reputation starts to rot. People don't want to be around you, it stinks. There's no iron sharpens iron. And God wants us to get to that position. Ecclesiastics chapter 10 verse 1. As dead flies give perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honor. There is reasons why God gave us his word. And that reason is for us to grow in him so that others can come to him. Remember that last week when I told you I got set on fire? Not literally, but for Jesus Christ, when I gave my life to, to Jesus Christ? Well, I didn't tell you the funniest part of that story, okay? So the following week, back in 2005, I was just so consumed with this new experience of life 
that I wanted everybody to go to church with me. Now, I didn't understand salvation yet. I knew I had it, but I didn't understand how to lead someone to it. The best knowledge I had was bring them to church. Just bring them to church. And I remember looking at my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, which is, um, at the time, they were my girlfriend's parents. That's what they were at that time. And they committed that they would come to church with me that following Sunday. So I'm like, I'm counting down. I am counting down the days. Sunday morning happens and service started at 10 a.m. And I pick up my girlfriend and want to ride with my, 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 at the time I was just like my girlfriend's parents. I wanted them to go to church. And I knock on her door, 9.30 a.m. Remember, service starts at 10. And my girlfriend opens the door, who's my wife, opens the door and she's still in her PJs. And then I said, are you guys coming to church? And she says, well, my mom and dad are still sleeping. What? You know what I did? I barged into their room. I'm not joking. I'm not joking. I barged into their room. They're in bed. Remember, they're not my in-laws. Like, the relationship's not there yet. I'm just their daughter's boyfriend. Okay? So you got to remember that aspect of it, all right? I barged into their door, and I remember my father looking at me. What are you doing? And I said, what are you doing? (laughs) And I jumped on their bed, and I started jumping up and down. And they're like, right here. And I'm jumping up and down. I said, you said you would go. You would go. Like, I threw everything on the line. I'm like, I mean, I could, I can lose my girlfriend. I can, they can say, you're not allowed in this house. Stay away. I mean, I went all out. It's my first week as a believer. And I jumped up and down. You said you would go. And my father-in-law looked at me, and he looked at his wife, and he said, we did say we would go. (laughs) Check it out. They gave their life to Christ that day. They gave their life to Christ that day. I'm not saying go do that (laughs) at all, okay? So if you're young and you have a boyfriend or girl, don't go to your, you know, the parents and Don't do that. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is this. We have to be willing to be sacrificial and selfless when it comes to God's kingdom. If we are truly claiming that we are, are advancing God's kingdom, you have to have a hard check in your heart that I have to be sacrificial, I have to be selfless, even when my emotions don't line up to it. Just a word of encouragement. Because God wants us to produce the fruits of what Galatians 5 tells us. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These fruits will flourish out of us. People will catch hold of that. And they would eat and taste how good God is. Because we simply are doing a heart examination in our life. A heart check. So really quick, I got like five minutes is I'm going to give you five practical things to kind of be aware of that will kill that influence. Not to enhance it, but to kill that, those things that will kill it. And the first one is this. We need to make sure the attitude of anger doesn't control us. Hear how I'm pre- presenting it. The attitude of anger should not control us. I'm not saying we can't be angry. Angry is a good indicator for us to reconcile something. But it should not consume us to the point where we lost control. One of the fruit of the Spirit. We should not lose control. 
James 1, 19 through 21 says, understand this, my brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept God, God's word as planted in your hearts. For it has the power to save your souls. When we allow anger to control us, we're missing what God can do through our lives. God can do so much through our lives. God told Moses, go speak to the rock. Moses struck the rock. And he missed out on something that God had for him. And how we overcome that is by spending some time with God and spending some time in rest with him. Some of y'all just need some sleep. That's all we need. I needed sleep. That is just so helpful. But we need to find that rest time, that time with the Lord, and we have to overcome this anger that controls us. Number two, uh, that uh, it's an influence killer, is pride. You see, King Saul in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel, he started good, but he ended bad. And the reason why was because pride got in the way. The best, best way I ever heard someone present pride is like bad breath. Everyone knows you have it except you. And I thought that was so good. So I would have my accountability partner, my wife, remind me, if I'm in a pride moment, you let me know because I'm not going to see it. Having that accountability helps so much. Pride gets in the way of obedience. And we don't get to follow what God has for us. 1 John 2.16, for everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father but from the world. Proverbs also tells us pride comes before the fall. So how do I counter that pride? Serve others. Start serving others. When you start serving others, you'll start growing in that, and you'll see humility comes, because we're talking about humility here. Humility comes into your heart. You start humbling yourself, and you start finding fulfillment and joy. Number three, is an attitude killer, uh, an influence killer, is impatience, just being impatient. A lot of times we pray for patience, and we feel like, why is it not coming? The opposite just came, because God's giving you the opportunity to grow. That's why. That's why you all have five kids. No, I'm joking. <laughs> joking. <laughs> God gives us the moment to practice to be patient, because impatience is always being in a hurry. If I left that gas station and did not go and talk to Ben, he, eternity would not have been impacted in his life. Maybe someone else would have came, but at that moment, who knows where he was going to go. It could have been his last moment. We have to not let impatience come into our life and destroy what God is doing. 2 Timothy 2.24 says this, A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach and listen, and be patient with difficult people. I love how he presented that. With difficult people, we need to take time to seek, to listen, and to pray. With our Heavenly Father. So that when difficult people come, we know how to respond. We know how to uh, present and be kingdom mindset. Number four, fear. This one's easy. It's just straight up, flat, not God. Any fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. Fear usually rises up because we're in a problem or facing an insecurity. 
But when we give those problems and insecurities to the Lord and he deals with us and he cultivates and works in our hearts, fear has nothing. It, it, it can't hold you down. And you become this light. And then number five, the last one is acceptance. I'll, I'll kind of talk a little bit more about this one, explain what I mean by acceptance. But too many times in a culture that we live today, we feel like we need to be accepted and liked all the time. And I get that. We, we want to be liked all the time. But the sacrificial part of carrying your cross, <laughs> there's that battle where people won't like you because who you love or who you live for. Jesus says, count it all joy when trials and opposition comes your way. He says, take heart when troubles come your way. So when we try to live for acceptance, when we try to live and be accepted by everyone, we get confused. We get tired. Jesus wants us to love the world like he did. He wants us to reach. But we have to come to an understanding that the world at times is not going to love us back. They're just not. They're going to be mean. They're going to throw stones at you. They're going to call you names. There's probably going to be backstabbing. But advancing God's kingdom is fixing your eyes on that cross and saying, yes, Lord. Cross before me, the world behind me. Yes, Lord. Jesus taught but he also demonstrated this. He loved the world, but he also spoke truth when they were wrong. He gave his life knowing that there's an eternal reward at the end of it. Check, check this out. Paul confronts Peter, one of his disciples. I think this is a perfect example of Peter being caught in this trap. Galatians 2, 11 and 12. But when Peter came to Antioch, Paul says, I had to oppose him in his face for what he did was very wrong. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentile believers who were not circumcised. But afterward, when some friends of James came, Peter wouldn't eat with the Gentiles anymore because he was afraid of criticism for these people who insisted on the necessity of circumcision. Peter was persuaded because of what people thought. And he was very wrong in doing that, is what Paul says. That he had to oppose him in his face, in love. But he had to tell him the truth. My challenge to my heart, and then ask yourself, but my challenge to my heart, am I doing things because I'm trying to avoid criticism, or am I doing things out of obedience because God wants me to do it? Hard, hard check in the heart. But it's healthy. Does, does it hurt? Yes. But it's healthy. Is it in vain? No, because eternity is riding on it. There are people in your world that I could never reach, that Pastor Samuel and Becca could never reach, that anybody in this you feel like is in leadership can never reach, only you. And I'm activating you, church, to go do what God has called you to do and not worry about any criticism. God's got your back. God's equipped you with what you need. He's given you the spirit of God so you can speak his truth. 
But you have to take that step. Everyone say heart check. Let's close our eyes and bow our head. For us to even get to the point of being that light, you need to have the light of Christ in your heart. And scripture tells us specifically that the only way to that is through Jesus Christ. For Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except through me. And how we do that is by giving it to him and confessing him as our Lord and Savior. And then let God grow you. If you have not consciously made that decision, please shoot your hand in the count of three. We want to pray with you. One, two, three. Shoot it up high so we can see you. Great. This is awesome. Then what I am going to say is, do you know somebody that needs Christ? On the count of three, shoot your hand up because we're going to intercede for him right now. One, two, three. Wow. What I see is lights everywhere, ready to disperse to be the light of the world. Church family, let's pray together for those people. I'll pray, just intercede for them in your life, call their name out right now, and then be activated to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just thank you right now for every single one of these people in this room. I thank you that they have Jesus in their hearts already. But Father, I saw a lot of hands up that they know of someone that needs you, Lord. May you activate them now, Lord, to speak truth, to apply what your word says so that they can be reached, Father God. Thank you, Lord, that you are about to create moments of ministering time, whether in the work field, at home, in schools, in the stores, at gas stations, wherever you decide the platform is, Father. Let them hear your voice and let them speak. Speak that over them now in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all celebrate and say, Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.